Well, good morning, Mount Hope. It is great to see you this morning. And if we don't know each other, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Mount Hope, and it is good to be together today. As we take a look into God's Word together over the next few moments, I want to start with a thought or an idea that maybe you've heard before, uh, but I'd like for us to think about it together for a moment. There's a quote from a leadership guru named John C. Maxwell that if you've been to a business seminar or you've read one of his books, you've probably heard. And the quote goes something like this. This is what he says. John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And I think by and large that, that a lot of that is, is true, that that statement holds true. Here's the thing I want us to think about for a moment. I think that when we think about leadership and we think about things rising and falling, something happens. And that is, as long as things appear to be rising, if you and I are following a leader and things seem to be going well, we perceive that they are going well. As long as we're following someone and things are rising, uh, we, can, we pretty much take leadership for granted, don't we? We're just happy that everything's going well. But as soon as things start falling, something changes, doesn't it? When things begin to fall in our world or we perceive things are falling, our anxiety begins to rise and we begin to ask ourselves a question. Where should we go to actually find security? Are we following the right person? I remember a number of years ago, my parents were visiting this area from the Midwest And my wife and I, we didn't have any kids at the time. My wife and I went with my parents up to Bar Harbor, Maine. And we read in the guidebook in our hotel room that at low tide, you could walk to an island that was uh, just off the shoreline and there was a trail there. And the trail was clearly marked so that if you followed the trail, you would get to a point where you could look back and overlook the town of Bar Harbor and the water and everything. So we thought we'd do that. Uh, we walked across the, the, the shoreline there at low tide, and we got out to the island, and I decided to take the lead. Now, the guidebook in our hotel room said that the trail was very clearly marked. And so I took the lead, and I said to myself, well, I'll be the one that will follow the markers and guide Lori and guide my parents on this trail. Now, I will to this day uh, dispute the fact that that trail was clearly marked because with my eagle eyes and my keen sense of direction, uh, clearly it was uh, not my fault, but the trail marker's fault that where I was supposed to turn to the right on the path at one point, I continued to go straight. And here's what happens when we're following people and things begin to fall. I could sense behind me as the trail got a little rougher and the trees got a little closer and the grass got a little taller that I was losing the people behind me. That as things started to fall and their anxiety started to rise, that they began to say to themselves, where are we going to go to get security? And should we continue to follow uh, this guy, our husband and son, who clearly has no idea what he's doing? And eventually they begin to question me. Are you sure you know where you're going? Are you sure this is the right way? And finally, I'm pretty sure it was my wife said, that's it. I'm turning around and I'm going to go back and find the path. And isn't that how it happens? Maybe you followed someone before. Someone's been driving and you've been following them or they told you they knew how to find the classroom on campus or they knew how to find the conference room in the office building and you started to follow them. And as long as things went well, 
you said to yourself, well, this is fine, no problem. But the second they started looking around nervously or started panning their eyes from side to side looking for a street name, you said to yourself, uh-oh, things began to fall and anxiety began to rise. And you said to yourself, how am I going to figure out what to do next? You know, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, we've been walking through the book of Judges together. And in the book of Judges, at the very end of this book, we find the Israelites in a place where things have begun to fall with leadership. That things have fallen to an all-time low. This is about 1,300 years or so before Jesus was on the face of the earth. Things have fallen to an all-time low. We have seen, if you've been with us, We have seen all sorts of examples of okay leadership that only lasts for a short time and a whole bunch of examples of terrible leadership. And we've seen that John Maxwell's statement is true, that everything rises and falls on leadership. And now things have fallen to an all-time low. In fact, it's chaotic at the end of the book of Judges. We've used this verse over the past couple of weeks, but here it is one more time. In those days, the writer tells us, the last verse in the book of Judges, There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And the writer's saying to you and to me that there is chaos and anarchy in the land. And the reason there's chaos in the land is because there's no king. And what happens in Israel at this moment, as things begin to fall, anxiety begins to rise, And as you and I are going to see in just a moment, the people begin to say to themselves, where are we going to go to find security? And isn't this what's happening in our world right now? Isn't this what's happening all around us? That as things begin to fall, and that could be because of a pandemic, it could be because of the financial markets that are impacted, it could be because of your company that is impacted. It could be because of how your schooling is impacted. It could be because you're looking at your children and you're saying to yourself, we have to do this together for another month. How are we going to survive? As things begin to fall, anxiety begins to rise around us. And we're asking ourselves, you're asking yourself, our world is asking itself, where do we look for security? And you know, the challenge that you and I have, the challenge that you and I have is that we are going to look someplace for security. And in our world, there is all sorts of things that are written about how to be a good leader. If you were to, if you were to walk into a bookstore right now, well, don't walk into a bookstore right now, but if you were to go on Amazon right now and you were to go to the nonfiction section, the bestsellers, if you went to business books, I guarantee you there is no shortage of books on how to be a good leader. But do you know what we're missing? It is very difficult to find some sort of writing or some sort of advice on how to choose a leader. And in many ways, that second question is more important. Not just how do you become a good leader, but all of us are choosing leadership. Where we're going to go to find security. As things fall and anxiety rises, we're going to run somewhere and follow someone to find security. And we don't often think about what does it mean to find a good leader who will provide good, solid security. We think about how to be a good leader, but how do you choose a good leader? 
See, after the judges, after this whole book ends and the people are in chaos, Israel themselves, they decide it's time to choose a leader. Things have fallen, anxiety is rising, and the people are looking at one another, and they need security. And what happens, if you keep following your Bible chronologically, you'll get to a book called 1 Samuel. And in that book, a prophet named Samuel becomes the next judge over Israel, and he does a pretty good job. But then he puts his sons in charge, and his sons are terrible leaders. And once again, anxiety among the people rises and they say, we need security. So they come up with a plan and they come to Samuel. Look what happens here. And this is 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramach. And they said to him, remember, things are falling. Anxiety is high. Samuel's sons are doing a terrible job. This is just after hundreds of years of chaos under the judges. And they come to Samuel, and they're, they're tired of it. There's no tact here. There's no sugarcoating anything. They just come to Samuel, and they give it to him straight. They say, listen, Samuel, here's the deal. Behold, you are old. Not the nicest way to start, but they, they just fire it right at Samuel. Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. You are old, and you're a terrible parent, Samuel. So here's what we want. Appoint for us a king. Give us a king. Give us some security, Samuel to judge us like all the other nations. Samuel, he's appalled by this idea because the people of God want a king like all the other nations. And Samuel, he knows that the people aren't supposed to have a king. They're supposed to have the king, that God is supposed to be their king. And so where things are falling and anxiety is rising, the people, they run for security. And Samuel says, you're not going to find it here. And he says it for a very specific reason. In fact, if you were to read through the next few verses, Samuel says, listen, you're looking for some sense of security. You want, you're saying that you want a king, but God is supposed to be your king. And here's the problem with your king, Samuel says. Your king is going to take the entire burden of the kingdom and he is going to put it on your shoulders. The king is going to take the entire burden of the kingdom, Samuel tells the people. If you choose this for security, the king is going to take the entire burden of the kingdom and he is going to put it on your shoulders. In fact, Samuel says over those verses, if you look, he'll take your sons and he's going to send them to war. He'll take your other sons and he'll put them to work in his kingdom. He'll take your daughters and he'll put them to work in your kingdom. He'll take your servants and make them his own. He'll take the best of your vineyards and of your, your property and of your flocks and of your sheep. He'll take a tenth of all your grain. He'll take a tenth of all that you own. In fact, Samuel says to the people, that king that you think is going to bring you security is actually going to bring you a burden. He's going to take the entire burden of the kingdom and not put it upon himself. He's going to put it on you. But the people... They just want security. They're anxious. They're searching. And they just want something that they can feel and touch and see. And so despite Samuel's warning that the king's going to take the burden of the kingdom and put it on them, they come back to Samuel and they say this. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, we read in verse 19. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that, look at these words, and that 
our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel says, listen, don't do this. Don't settle for a king. Don't settle for a king because that king is not going to bring the security that you desire. In fact, he's going to take the burden of the kingdom and put it on your shoulders. And the people come back to Samuel and they say, you know what, Samuel? We would rather have our king than the king. We'd rather settle for our king that makes us like other people, that helps us fight our battles that we can see, than have the king. And you know, there's something inside of you and inside of me that when things are falling and anxiety is rising, we ought to be aware of. And that is, we will settle for less if it gives us the illusion of security. We'll settle for less if it gives us the illusion of security. The people of Israel are settling for less. They're settling for their king over the king because it gives them the illusion of security. In 2009, the Pew Research Center did a study and they asked uh, Americans, they said, would you rather have a job that paid a high salary but was unstable or unstable or have a job that paid a low salary but you knew you'd have the job for years and years and years? And 66% of Americans said they would take less money. As much as we love money, 66% of Americans said they would take less money to have the security. And I just wonder, in your life and my life, as things fall and anxiety rises, wherever that happens in your life, are you trusting less things because they provide you with an illusion of security? Are you listening to voices and listening to your kings because they give you a sense of security rather than listening to the king? About a thousand years after this moment, a little bit more than that, about a thousand years or so after this moment, Jesus is on this earth. And today's Palm Sunday, as we've said a number of times. And on Palm Sunday, we remember Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, into the city at the beginning of the week that would ultimately see him crucified and then raised from the dead. And when Jesus comes into the city, he makes a statement that if we're not careful, we can easily miss. But it is so important to this conversation. In our search for voices to listen to, in our search for leaders to follow, in our search for security admits anxiety, Jesus makes a point as he comes into the city without saying a word that you and I ought to pay attention to. This is the scene. Jesus is outside of the city of Jerusalem and he begins to process into the city. And the city is packed because it is Passover time and everyone comes to Jerusalem for Passover. And so the city is, is bustling and it's packed and, and the people are all together. And here comes Jesus from the outside of the city processing into the city. And it looks something like this. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast, that's all those people there that are in the city of Jerusalem for the Passover, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. 
crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And if you're following along in your Bible, we're in John chapter 12 here, verse 12. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And here's what the people do. As Jesus comes into the city, the people treat his entrance into Jerusalem the way they would treat the entrance of any other king. In fact, if, if you read some of the other gospels, they also include the detail that the people removed their cloaks and put them down on the road with the palm branches so that Jesus could, could ride over them as he came into the city. And this is a common way for a king to be welcomed into a city or a town. In fact, you could go to 2 Kings verses not, verse, chapter 9, verse 13 and see an example of this in the ancient world. That this is how a king processed into a city. But there was one major difference between Jesus' procession and every other kingly procession. The people are welcoming him. And by putting their cloaks down, putting the branches down with this statement, they're saying, this is Jesus and this is our king. There's a giant difference between Jesus' procession and the procession of every other king. And it has to do with what he is riding. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was choosing as a king to enter into a city, probably the last thing that would come to mind would be a donkey. And, and you can imagine, as, as even as he's processing in this sort of ovation that's happening and this crying out and the cloaks and the palm trees, and yet this, this very humble animal that carries Jesus into the city. Most kings would come in on a giant steed. Most kings would come in with a chariot. Why a donkey? Jesus is saying something very specific. And John references it in the next verse. Just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, that's Israel, it's Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. These words that John quotes were written over 500 years before Jesus rode into the city. And if you go back to Zechariah chapter 9, which is one of the Old Testament prophets, you can read, that this is Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. You can read not just one verse about this. You can read multiple chapters that are telling about this Savior and Redeemer and Deliverer that is going to come and redeem God's people ultimately. And the text says that that Redeemer is coming not on a horse, not on a chariot, but on a donkey. And Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And just as the people are saying, this is our king. Everybody look. This is our king. We've taken off our cloaks. We've put down Paul branches. We've declared he's the king of Israel. This is our king. Jesus, sitting on the donkey without saying a word, says this to you and me. I'm not just their king. I'm the king. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. I'm the anointed one. I'm the deliverer. 
I'm the one who comes and builds a kingdom and doesn't put the burden of the kingdom on the people's shoulders. I'm the one who comes and builds a kingdom and puts the burden of the people on my shoulders and takes it to death on the cross. I'm not the one who provides temporary limited security because you can see me fight your battles. I'm the one who provides ultimate security and secures your place in heaven. Jesus says very clearly to the people, I'm not just a king. I'm the king. In 2015, the the New York Times declared that the United States was one of the most anxious nations in the world. And I probably don't have to explain too much to you that that is true. My guess is you know it. But the research showed that over and against countries uh, like Nigeria or Lebanon or Ukraine, that the United States was far more anxious. And we spend billions of dollars every year to treat anxiety. 2016, Time Magazine uh, saved their cover for a story on anxiety, and most of the issue was on that. And one of the experts in the article said this, if you want to create an environment to turn out angsty people, we've done it. We're all like little volcanoes. We're getting this constant pressure from our phones, from our relationships, and from the way things are today. We were an anxious people before a pandemic. We were an anxious people before a faltering economy. We were an anxious people before so many things shut down. I can only imagine how much in your life and in the lives of those around us, anxiety is written. And what ha- risen and what happens is that when anxiety rises, we begin to look for a place where we can find security. And you are going to be tempted. You are going to be tempted to find security in your king's And I don't know who your kings are. I don't know who the voices are that you're tempted to run to and look for ultimate security in. Could be a political figure. Could be a doctor. It could be a professor or a teacher. It could be someone in your household. But I want to remind you today that ultimate security, ultimate hope, ultimate deliverance, is found in the king, not in your king. What you need, what you want, is you want ultimate security. Not just something that's going to hold you over for a little while. Not just something that's going to make you feel better today. Not just something that's going to get you through the next week or the next month or the next year. What you and I need is you and I need a king who comes and brings ultimate security. And ultimate security is found in the king, And not your king. What you need is a king that has unlimited power and unlimited perspective. What you need is a king who has faced death itself and has been victorious. What you need is a king who comes and says, I don't hold your sin and your faults against you. I am not here to make your burden heavier. I am here to lighten your burden if you will come 
and follow me. What voices are you listening to right now? Where are you going to try to ease your anxiety, try to calm your fear? Any place other than the king is going to be temporary and ultimately burdensome. But God, through his son, Jesus Christ, offers you access to the king who will bring you ultimate security. I'd invite you right now, wherever you are, to bow your head and close your eyes with me. In a moment, we're going to sing a song together. But let's think about this for a moment because maybe you're listening this morning and maybe you're just not following the voices of other kings today or last week or in the moment, but maybe this is something you've done your entire life. And in fact, perhaps never in your life have you made the decision to say, I'm not going to follow any other voice other than that of Jesus Christ. That I don't want to follow my kings, but I want to follow the king. Maybe that's a choice, a decision that you've never made before. I want to give you the opportunity today that this would be your story. That in the middle of the the coronavirus pandemic of 2020, while you are watching a service from your home, you laid down all your allegiances to every other king, every other leader, and chose to follow the king with your life. What a testimony that would be. And if that's you right now, you might be a young person, you might be a young adult, You might be older than that, but there is no time that is too late to make this decision. I'd invite you to take a moment this morning, right where you are with your head bowed and your eyes closed, and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the ways that I have turned against you. I'm sorry that I have sought security in places where it cannot be found. I want you to be my king. I want you to be the voice that I listen to. I find my security in you and not in this world. And if you will pray that prayer, if you will mark this moment with words like that, I believe you begin a journey with Jesus today that will last for all eternity. And maybe this morning you're, you're listening to this and you know that in your mind, in your heart, in your head, you know you're supposed to be listening to the voice of God, that he's supposed to be your king above all other kings. But you have gone and started to try to find security in other places. Would today be a day that you would go back and find your security, find your peace, find your hope, not in a king, but in the king. God, I thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I thank you for the example that you give us of your people trying to find security somewhere other than you. And God, we make the exact same mistake as they did. And we do it each day. So God, in this moment, I pray that by your spirit, you will lead us and guide us so that we would find our security nowhere else but in you. We trust you, Lord. I thank you that no matter what happens on this earth, you are in control. And even if the worst comes to pass, we are guaranteed an eternity with you. I thank you for that truth this morning. We trust you. We love you our King, and our Savior. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.